Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Somewhere between science and superstition. Such sights to show you. Strange Eons. Welcome to Strange Eons Radio. That's Eric over there. Hello. That's Vanessa over there. Hello. I'm Kelly. Hey guys, I uh, <laughs> I did it again. I uh, <laughs> normally try to come up with something to vamp about, and I have completely forgotten to do that this time. Kelly. Does anybody have a... Ah, I'm going to have start cool coming up with ideas. I know. Cool I'm going to have to have a list in the car <laughs> as I'm driving over just in case. Actually, I, you know what? I do have something that we could talk about. All right. So, all right. I've got, I've got an idea for you guys. And just tell me, maybe, maybe I'm really off base. Maybe it's really inappropriate. But you're here. The audience is here. <laughs> what would you guys feel about if we had another person on this podcast? Uh, I know it's a big, it's a big one. We kind of said it three fairly well. And where would we put them? A discussion that could be had off the air. (laughs) Well, I I don't know. I'm not very comfortable with it. um, Well, okay. What if I told you though? This might change your mind. We've had someone else here all along. Uh, Kelly, did you play with some alien eggs (laughs) and just told Vanessa? (laughs) Uh, What what are you talking about? Um. Well, I am pregnant. Oh, oh my congratulations. goodness. Yes. So uh, we've had a, another set of years hanging out. We definitely the brain has <laughs> developed enough to know you guys by now. Oh, no. Oh, I really <laughs> should have been watching what I was saying. You know, I think that all the time about myself. So uh, An extra set of ears hanging out. <laughs> uh, well, holy cow. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Uh, thank, this thank is you. amazing news. Yeah. Uh, I guess I am okay with a fourth person on this podcast. Excellent, yeah. excellent. At least for at least for a little bit longer until um, she decides to show up. Oh, another okay. female voice. Uh, you have me, and you lost me. I know, I know. <laughs> so. Oh, you lost your chance to blow something up in pink. <laughs> <laughs> Dang! Whoops! My favorite of the colors. That- Darn. <laughs> That is absolutely amazing news. I'm so happy for you guys. Yes, but uh, I thought it would be worth mentioning also on the air because obviously that means we might have a little bit of change up yeah. coming down the road. Yeah. Are yeah. you saying that uh, you don't think you're going to be able to do the show uh, from the delivery room if that's the case? I'm just saying, give me maybe a week <laughs> in case, you know, if, I, if I'm like, you know what, it's Sunday, I'm on my way to the show, but unfortunately right. something happened and now <laughs> we, we have to get offer, a call on the hotline. We'll offer you a um, Matching salary for vacation time for what you get now. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You guys are so thoughtful. Um, well, I imagine yeah. that's going to uh, mean we'll be doing some Zoom calls. We'll, Probably, yes. Yeah. So we'll get our recording software up to date. We'll get our audio stuff up, up to snub. Yeah. No, snub? Snuff? Snuffy. Snuffy. And um, yeah, we'll get everything primed so that we can do a little bit of remote stuff. And then there may be a, a guest now and again. So, yeah, well, so I, uh, however it works to best serve you, Vanessa. Oh, yep. Yep. Uh, very, Health very. Health right, of you and the right, baby. I said that with cold eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I heard the hesitation in your heart. <laughs> uh, well, that is big news, and I don't think there's any way to uh, beat that news. Right. So, yep. um, once again, congratulations. Thank and you. Thank uh, you. I'm not going to ask on the air if you have a name yet. Uh, we do have a name, but I will not be telling people until it is on a certificate of birth because oh, wow. I am too easily influenced by people's just, just reactions. Just in case, yeah, you don't want to get. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody's going to be like, oh, that I knew somebody with that name and they were such a dick. And I'm be like, no, hey, my somebody, heart is broken. Tell me they're doing it. should tell <laughs> Margaret and me because yeah, uh, if it's a name that's easily teasable, We'll know it. <laughs> and we'll warn you. We'll That's be like, right. are you sure you want her to go through with uh, what she's going to run Jenna, into in high school? Or something? Jenna. Oh, no. Maybe I will. Off air. Yeah. Off there's, air. There's Eric's tough, but it's a weird name for a girl, you know. Why not? What the hell? Nowadays. 
My last name, however, yes, is, yes. is very, very easily. I'm, but I'm just saying it. that we we have been the uh, recipients of yes. teasing through the years. And, yes. you know, Smelly Kelly, Yeah, nobody likes to be called Smelly <laughs> Kelly, yeah, especially all through grade school. You know what? Kids are going to do what they're going to do, though. Like, I was made fun of, and you can't do anything with the name Vanessa. Well, at some they point. other ways. At some point, your name became a very easy target to be made fun of. Well... <laughs> You're a little older by that point, I would think. Yeah. No, you're not, not no, that old. No, I was, I was one week old when she won Miss America. Oh, okay. So My mom thought it was a very original name to call me Vanessa Williams. And then one week, one <laughs> week later, a heavily televised, very um, big event happened in America. And the first ever African-American Miss America won. And then she lost the crown. And then she continued to be famous. Is that hey, what you're talking anyways. about, or are you talking about something else? Yeah, I know, something else entirely, but Uh-oh. whatever. Whoops. <laughs> Proving my point, I guess. <laughs> You've embarrassed me in front well, of Vanessa. Oh, that. Con- congratulations. <laughs> Enjoy the new baby. It's because they spawned, but that sounds rude. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> All right, can we talk about something yeah, more important? Yeah, can we talk about, like, the things we've watched and not Please. talk about me anymore? <laughs> I watched a new movie called Where the Devil Roams. Where the Devil Roams? What is this on? This is on Rent. Okay. But it's also available for free on Screenbox right now. Okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to give this a hard suggestion, but it is pretty good. It is made by the Adams family, the family oh. that made Hellbender. Oh, yeah. and, I've seen this one. And uh, their story is more interesting than any movie they've made. But yeah. they've made some cool movies, and this is really gorgeous looking and very interesting but it drags it drags yeah. in parts a lot but uh, the parts that i liked about it i liked a lot uh so yeah i would say where the devil roams if you dig that family and what they're doing uh it's worth it just to kind of show some support to yeah. true indie filmmakers that are doing it right as far as i'm concerned Oh, yeah, they, they hit far more than they miss. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, it's getting a little wintry out there. And uh, I've been in the mood, for some reason, to watch hockey movies. Okay, <laughs> sure. So, not, not where wow. I thought this was going. <laughs> yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, so, I watched a, a classic that I had never seen before, Slapshot. There you go. <laughs> I love Slapshot. That is one God. of the hockey movies. What a fucking weird movie. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, I, you know, this Paul Newman guy is really famous. I don't think I've seen him in hardly anything. I would love to see what he's up to. And I'm watching this film and I'm like, what the what, fuck is What are the brothers' names again? Oh, uh, the, oh my God, those, oh, I've forgotten. But yeah. The, the enforcers. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the, there's a lot of cringy stuff because it's sort of a like Native American team. And there's, you know, it's in the 70s, 80s. So there's a lot of weird, like, things that are being said on screen that perhaps you would not say these days. <laughs> and that's all fine and well. Um, but th- there's no, like, moral <laughs> to this. No, not really. <laughs> no one no. changes, at least not for the better. Everybody, mm-hmm. every, every the status quo is maintained. I was like, oh, okay, so they're, they're going to play a clean game at the end because <laughs> no. that's what matters. Nope, that lasts for like one quarter of the game. And then they're like, screw it. Go out there and beat the crap out of everybody and make this a spectacle. Vanessa, I'm always surprised when you pick a movie like this because you have come out and just said, I'm not interested in comedy. True. And and this movie is very much a comedy. I'm not lacking a soul. I still want to see movies. (laughs) Sometimes they're supposed to be funny. I just don't usually find them funny. So uh, what did you think at the end of it? I, you know, I'm really glad I watched it. It's fucking weird. It's wacky. It's really it's an interesting film and it has really strong like ideas for the time where it's like, you know, women who are just like, fuck you, we're divorced. I'm going to go sleep with whoever and you (laughs) have to deal with it. And it's like, damn, okay, that's cool. But, uh, and it was fun. I wouldn't say I laughed, but it was, you know, fun in moments. Um, I I liked it. I I don't think it's going to be something I'll return to time and time again because I didn't grow up with it. So I don't have the nostalgia. I think if somebody was coming to me and saying, I'm looking for a Paul Newman film. I don't know much about him. What <laughs> film do you think is the best representation of his work? Mm. I'm not sure Slapshot would have been my Pro- first probably choice. Probably not. There's some, there's some other good choices. 
well, I'll find them eventually. But like I said, I was in the mood for hockey. Yeah. It was midnight, and I was like, I got to watch something. I got to watch so some weird, weird movie cravings when you're pregnant. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Weirdly it, true. And sadly, if you're a modern hockey fan, mm-hmm. that's not how hockey can be played anymore. The enforcers have Ew. basically been removed from the game. So, Oh, uh, no, because the next one I have a, a lined up is going to be Goon. So. Oh, that's also that's, a great yes. comedy. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that we'll was pretty good too. You never know. I might enjoy it. Don't sleep on uh, Young Blood. Oh, oh yeah. Blood. There you go. Mm-hmm. I, you know or, what? Hey, You're right. Mighty Ducks. Right. That first one. <laughs> At least the first one is pretty I'll good. Re-watch, I'll rewatch Mighty Ducks for sure. And I do also want to see what's the one with the hockey player that like has to get into figure skating. Oh, um, the cutting edge. Yeah. Yes. Come on. I'm going to see the cutting edge Require for sure. viewing uh, with any young couple that's still in love, <laughs> I think. Sure, there you go. Mm-hmm. And also you can learn how to shoot a movie when it's obvious your skaters aren't as good as you want them to be. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> wide shots. <laughs> Lots of wide shots. So I have dove in and watched probably the, the bad release of the year. And uh, lived up to its billing, the Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. No! Oh, boy. Bad. Why? Quite bad. Just, you know, because it's that weird culture horror thing. It's like, okay, I just got to check this out. And sure. anybody who watched that and it ruined Winnie the Pooh for you, it's, I think you had an uncomfortable attachment to Winnie the Pooh or something. <laughs> I mean, there's no Tigger. There's nothing. Winnie the Pooh about that. Thing at all. So I'm just like, yeah, this is not impo- influencing my feel of uh, the original Winnie the Pooh. Sure. Anyway. Would you agree with me that, okay, it starts off with that kind of uh, sharp animation. Yeah, that was. That neat. was, I was like, oh, I guess this is going to be kind of a serious movie. And the idea is not bad. Right. Oh, no. The idea of doing something like that where they lose their shit because Christopher Robin disappears. Uh, I, that was my thought. I was like, well, this is an interesting start. Right. Mm. And then it just <laughs> falls. So, I mean, it doesn't help that the budget had to be in the hundreds of dollars. Yeah, mm. that's true. The fact that they just turn it into a um, a camp slasher movie right. about 40 minutes in like, just takes away everything. So these stuffed animals were able to create a camp that had electricity, that had several different buildings, that had like cooking facilities and all this stuff, but somehow they were driven insane. (laughs) It's like, there's a disconnect here from point A to point B. Well, remember, they were driven insane because they were so hungry that they had to eat ER. ER. So the cannibalism is what drove them insane. ER. I figure if you can can build your own cabin and or... Keep your cabin running with electricity for several years. You can figure out how to hunt. Listen, I'm not <laughs> going to. I'm not going to defend the story issues <laughs> in this, <laughs> but I do. I do wish that uh, when a movie like this is frustrating because it's close. Yeah, you're like, oh, you guys really needed to bring in a another person to kind of massage this story yeah. or something. Because uh, the like you said, the beginning is really cool. The slasher stuff is. Good enough. Fine. So just an adjustment to what was going on. Maybe make them, I think they should have kept them cute. You know, keep that connection to Winnie the Pooh a little closer. Mm. And that might have helped. There's just a lot of, it's not bad filmmaking as a whole. It's just there was a bad core problem when they started making it. But I don't know that they could have kept it. Kept them cute and kept them away from looking like the Disney stuff. Right, that's what they had to avoid. Yeah, so. Well, I guess you can cross that off your must-see list. (laughs) Um, I watched a movie. I haven't finished the movie. I'm not sure I'll finish the movie. Uh Uh-oh. I don't even remember the entire title of the movie. Onyx the Fortuitous and the something-something of something. Huh. Um. This is based on a character who I guess is a very popular uh, YouTube guy. Okay. And he's very nerdy. Uh, He talks fast and he's just one of these over-the-top characters who finds himself in a a movie situation where he is, along with four or five other people, brought to this. Yeah, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls. Oh, okay. Um... It's it's horror comedy. 
and it's more comedy than horror, but there's all sorts of horror elements in it because they're in a gigantic house and they are going to be summoning some kind of evil creature there. It is acted very well. It is shot very well. This movie looks like it cost, you know, several million dollars. And I know that they raised the money on a Kickstarter. So I think it was less than a million dollars. It looked way, way better than that. But these kind of characters really great on me. Uh, I don't like, you know, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective. But I think I would have loved it as a 40-minute film. Sure. Just an hour and a half of it is too much. Mm-hmm. And and this guy is that kind of character, super annoying, when everybody else is kind of normal. And uh, at about an hour and about an hour into it, I was like, okay, I might be able to handle this. How much left do I have? Another hour. It's two goddamn hours oh long. Oh, my gosh. And I thought... I think I might be done with this. I don't think I can handle another hour of this guy, but I bet you there are people out there who either love this character from the YouTube stuff or love this actor. It's the actor is the director and the writer of this. So I, I think he must have a pretty big fan base if he was able to raise all that money. And it's got Jeffrey Combs in it and Barbara Crampton and all the acting is really, really top notch. Uh, so yeah, Onyx the Fortuitous and the Talisman of Souls, uh, your mileage may vary, and please don't <laughs> count this as a recommendation. Gotcha. Just a mentioning of. <laughs> well, I watched something that was a recommendation of yours. Oh. Um, I started watching Bodies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm only a couple episodes in, but it's been really interesting, really fun, and um Makes me really want to check out the comic as well. That's right. Like the third episode, I finally watched the credit and it said it was based on a, the graphic novel. And I was like, oh, no, I guess oh. I better find this. <laughs> I haven't finished the series, so I don't know that it wraps itself up or anything like that. Uh, but I, yeah. I'm glad you're liking it. Yeah, it's really fascinating. I love the kind of jumps through time. I think there's like maybe one time period I haven't been like as into, which is maybe the bootlegger time period. Okay. I, I keep like zoning out whenever it comes on, so I, I guess I don't like it as much. But that's the one that's well. So that's during World War Two. Um. No. Yes. Yes. It yeah. is. That's the World War Two one. Yeah. I like that one. Oh, it, it might. Maybe it's just the guy. I don't know. The guy is slimy. <laughs> the guy is really slimy. I'm just like, oh, okay, all right. What is this on again? This Netflix. is on. Yeah, Netflix. Netflix. Yeah, and it's just I. I really love how that first episode ends on that sort of. And now we're going to a much further into the future timeline. and But it's also, I mean, as soon as that happened, I thought that was really cool. And then the more I thought about it was like, are they ever going to solve this? Yeah. Or am I going to be very dissatisfied with the ending or what? It's hard to know. It's yeah. hard to know. Yeah. And I, I feel like the end of <clears throat> each episode has its own weird thing that occurs. So I'm, I'm stoked about that. That, and we'll see if it lives up to it. Yeah, I love the idea that through all this timeline, there is some kind of shadowy government yes, thing that you is... you are loved. Yeah, that <laughs> you're like, okay, there's all sorts of questions. I hope some of this gets answered. For sure. Nice. Absolutely, for sure. So, yeah, so that was a great recommendation, and I'm, I'm but, stoked to continue to go down that rabbit hole since I have to do something while I wait for Monarch to show up. <laughs> well, I was like, is can, that what you're naming her? Monarch? Monarch. <laughs> it's not clue number one <laughs> not pretentious at all <laughs> uh, I was referring to the Kurt Russell TV show oh right okay Monarch yes yes, yes yes so as I continue to uh, catch up on the world of stuff I missed in the 100 days <laughs> right I finished up actually not directly talking about this but as soon as I finished winning time which I didn't hate the ending of, by the way. It's like, it's sports. Yeah. You can't can't call your show winning time and end on the season they lost. <laughs> sure you can, because they won a the couple others in the middle of it. <laughs> I'm just angry that it was canceled, that's all. That Aww. definitely. Jesus. Uh, but immediately afterward, I watched um, Magic and Bird, A Courtship of Rituals. I did, too. Fuck that, it was really good, too. It's really good. Like, the odd connection between those two individuals as players and people is really interesting yeah and the story of their friendship is incredibly powerful yeah it really is so i would say even if you're a marginal basketball fan and don't feel like watching two seasons of winning time which why wouldn't you because it's fucking great even if it drives you nuts 
or you love the way it ends, watch this because <laughs> this is just wonderful. I, I don't know that I would have loved this documentary without seeing Winning Time, sure. uh, but I am bummed that you know, uh, telling my brothers who j- who don't like basketball but mm. just love good film, and they're both like not interested. I'm like, I need you guys to watch this. Trust me, you will like this. Yeah. I don't like basketball. Yeah. Is it because it's sports? That they don't like it? Yeah. I think it's just because it's basketball. That's a bummer. Because, like, I feel like any, like, there are, some of the best movies are sports movies because yeah. it's so compelling. And so interesting. I don't movies. like actual watching sports. But, like, fuck, right. man, there are some great sports movies out there. I think that... I don't know. The problem really is there's just too much out there to watch, and we all have to kind of pick yeah. and choose yeah. what yeah. we will or won't watch. Like we were talking a couple of weeks back about uh, Lower Decks. It's mm-hmm. like, sure. I, I just don't think I will like it because Star Trek is just not my thing, mm-hmm. and there's too much other stuff that is my thing that I haven't caught up on. Yeah. Sure. yeah. So no, I, I think that's I, where they are. I'd say, I think it's been a while since I mentioned it, but sports is like right up there with right near horror for me. I love sports movies. Mm-hmm. I also love sports. But the movie part where they condense it down and tell this wild shit that happens to some yeah. of these people um, is fascinating to me. I haven't really liked, well, I didn't like basketball since the Sonics got taken away right. from <laughs> Seattle 11, 12 years ago. Yeah. And I tried to watch it a little bit recently and the, it, it's starting to have the same problem I have with soccer. It's like, I don't like soccer because so many people take dives. It's not the sport. It's the weird oh, dives. You yeah. get things. And basketball is starting to get filled with that. Ooh. Where you watch footage of these guys playing or the 90s period with just beating the shit out of each yeah. other on the court. <laughs> and now it's like touch, flop. So anyways, weird side angle there. Yeah. Watch Winning Time and then watch this because they're both pretty fucking good. <laughs> I agree. In fact, how about we take a little break? We all sit down and watch both seasons of Winning Time, and then we come back. (laughs) And when we do, we're talking 70s as fuck. Knievel sold separately or with the Evil Knievel stunt cycle from Ideal. We have returned and we are talking 70s as fuck uh, per Jamie's request after hearing uh, Vanessa say the phrase 70s as fuck. Sometimes things are just 70s as fuck. This episode is going to be. That's right. Hell yeah. I'm going to start it off with a movie. Good. From 1979. (laughs) We're on the right show. Called Meteor. Space. Timeless. Infinite. Eternal. For countless millennia, the stars and planets traveled their silent paths in perfect harmony. It was called Orpheus, the meteor. Its power is greater than all the hydrogen bombs. Its speed is greater than any rocket ever conceived. Its force can shatter continents. Its mass can level mountain ranges. It cannot think. It cannot reason. It cannot change its course. And it's going to strike the Earth in six days. That meteor is five miles wide and it's definitely going to hit us! Your government, in collaboration with the best scientific brains at its disposal, developed the project 
to deal with this emergency. Attitude correction complete. Situation nominal. Orientation закончена. Положение нормально. Anything go wrong? Once the rockets have been launched, they switch over to their own internal decision-making systems. And if these systems perform perfectly, well then, there's no problem. But if there's a malfunction, what are the odds? Your guess is as good as mine. We can expect the first splinters in 24 hours. wide. It's traveling at a speed of 30,000 miles per hour. And there is no place on Earth to hide. Budget of sixteen million dollars. Box office of eight point four million dollars. Rotten Tomatoes critics have it at five percent. No. The Holy audience sh- has it at fourteen percent. No. Wow. Directed by Ronald Neem, who has twenty six directing credits, including The Poseidon Adventure, The Odessa File, and Scrooge, the Albert Finney musical version. So you're telling me this is going to be awesome. Because it's called Meteor, (laughs) and it's by the guy from Poseidon Adventure. Written by Stanley Mann, who has 44 writing credits, including Theater of Blood, Vanessa. Damien, Omen 2, Firestarter, Conan the Destroyer. And it was also written by Edmund H. Knott. Excuse me. Take two. (laughs) Also written by Edmund H. North, who has 35 writing credits, including The Day the Earth Stood Still, Patton, and Submarine X-1, starring an indie cast that includes Sean Connery, 94 credits, including the first six 007 movies, Zardoz, A Bridge <laughs> Too Far, Time Bandits, Highlander, Humphrey Red October, Dragonheart, The Rock, and was Indiana Jones' father in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Mm-hmm. Also starring Natalie Wood, who has 74 acting credits, including West Side Story, Rebel Without a Cause, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and Brainstorm. She died under some mysterious circumstances in 1981. Mm. Uh, also starring Carl Malden, who has 73 credits, including On the Waterfront, Patton, A Streetcar Named Desire, Phantom of the Rue Morgue, Jeez. The Cat of Nine Tails, which I talked about in our uh, in our Italian... Uh, what do you call it? Giallo. Giallo, thank you. Um, <laughs> probably most recognized from 120 episodes of The Streets of San Francisco. Also starring Martin Landau, Joseph Campanella, Henry Fonda, and Brian Keith. This movie is 70s as fuck in the way that, although it's 1979, the filmmakers are definitely not looking towards the 80s, but instead are stuck in the disaster flicks of the 70s, like yes. Earthquake, Airport, Towering Inferno, nice. or Poseidon Adventure. It is a gigantic star-studded cast that comes together during a disaster. Yes, before Armageddon, before Deep Impact, (laughs) there was this giant pile of shit. Oh, no. (laughs) Uh, We are given a voiceover in the beginning and a shot of outer space with some pretty bad effects of a comet that is new to us, one that's never been observed before, and it is heading towards an asteroid field where there are some gigantic asteroids just milling about, like near (laughs) duels at the mall. (laughs) Uh, and there is an American science rocket with a crew of three that is in the area, and they are diverted to get footage of this new comet. But while they are there, the comet strikes a particularly large asteroid, which breaks into several several smaller asteroids, all heading for Earth. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, they, wipe out, they wipe out the science crew, and that tips off the U.S. that there is a threat to the planet. Dun, dun. We are then introduced to Dr. Paul Bradley, who is Sean Connery. 
he does not want to be brought in to talk to his ex-boss, Harry. Uh, but apparently, against his will, Paul was tasked to create an orbiting nuclear missile platform in outer space a few years earlier. And he has finally talked into coming in to try to use the nukes to take out the main meteor heading towards Earth. It is five miles wide, and if it strikes Earth, it would be an extinction-level event. Okay. I've seen this movie. Oh, you have? I'm sure I have. He agrees to help, but quickly realizes that even all of America's orbiting nukes would not be enough to save the planet. If only there was another untrustworthy superpower who had their own nuclear missile platform orbiting the planet as well. Uh-oh. Well, enter Alexei Dubov and his stunningly gorgeous translator, Tatiana. Uh, Dubov is not allowed to admit that there is a Soviet nuclear satellite up there, but in a kind of funny soon, Bradley starts talking about theoretical ideas if there was another platform and how they <laughs> might be able to stop the meteor, and the scientist starts going along with him on how a theoretical plan of attack might happen. <laughs> so they start working together all through the help of his translator, who is, of course, Natalie Wood, and the rest of the movie is them trying to figure out the mathematics of both satellites launching 20 minutes apart so that they reach the meteor at the same time and such. Intercut with this is the arrival of the smaller meteors, which are striking different parts of the planet and causing all kinds of carnage. The effects really aren't up to the challenge, but I liked these scenes the best because they would suddenly cut to an Intuit family in a large tent in the middle of the tundra, and we'd get a few minutes of them talking and living and all this, and then the meteor would strike and kill them under an avalanche. <laughs> Uh, there was another one in Hong Kong where we follow one person, um, a meteor has struck in the ocean and creates a massive tidal wave. So while other disaster movies would show all the destruction, this movie follows this one person while everyone's running around him and everything. He's trying to get to his wife and kids as the wave is approaching. And uh, he gets the wife and the kid, and he goes back, grabs the dog, and makes it out of the apartment, and starts running, and then the wave hits and everyone is killed. Excellent. And then there was another one that just followed this beautiful chick who's skiing down a mountain, and then she takes off her skis and meets her friends at a resort, and they're laughing and chatting and all of that, and then they're dead. <laughs> it's it's just this weird, these weird little vignettes of life happening, and then the meteor hits, and it's like, well. All right. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, I didn't hate this movie. Yeah, it, it sounds it's, like it. It's fun. Um Will the U.S. and the Soviet Union be able to work together to stop the meteor from destroying life as we know it? Mm. Will a meteor strike the World Trade Center in a scene that will make everyone who was alive during the 9-11 attacks in America super uncomfortable? Oh, no. <laughs> will Sean Connery kiss Natalie Wood at the end of this movie, even though they have had a very sterile working relationship with no hint of romance? I bet they do. Tune in to Tubi, where I watch this, and oh, find okay. out. Uh, like I said, this movie is bad, but it's not horrible, and the acting is great. Uh, the problem is that there was just way too much acting and <laughs> not enough destruction. Uh, you really want one of these movies to have, you know, unfortunately, the deep impact and Armageddon kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Uh, Taglines. It's five miles wide. It's coming at 30,000 miles per hour, and there's no place on Earth to hide. I kind of like it. That's yeah. fun. Trivia. Natalie Wood could speak fluent Russian in real life. Her parents were Russian immigrants, and her birth name was Natalia Nikolaevna Zakharenko. Oh. And Brian Keith, who plays the uh, Soviet scientist, is also fluent in Russian. So all their scenes, they are actually speaking Russian, and I thought that was cool. That is cool, yeah. Uh, several visual effects production teams were fired during the course of the lengthy <laughs> production for failing to produce adequate effects on a very limited budget. Sure. The final company was forced to provide the effects seen in this movie for what money remained. That seems like a great business choice. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. The, the final sentence of, or the final line of that sentence is uh, seriously compromising the results. And it's true. Uh, the effects of the asteroid, you know, for 1979 and Star Wars coming out, yeah. Superman coming out, and all of that stuff. This looks very, well, 70s as fuck, <laughs> early 70s as fuck. Um, the asteroid looks like uh, a piece of lava rock that they've just filmed kind of spinning in space. It's, it's quite bad. <laughs> it is one of the final movies from American International Pictures. Huh? This film's huge failure at the box office is considered to have contributed to the studio's downfall. Sure. 
And then, thanks to the nerds out there, <laughs> I found this little bit. The meteoroid is heading for Earth at about 35,000 miles an hour and will hit Earth in a week, according to the movie. Okay. Uh, it says, at 35,000 miles an hour, an object would take at least six months to travel from the asteroid belt to Earth orbit. So, uh, I love that there's nerds out there who are like, this movie sucks, and let me tell you why. <laughs> it's not because of the effects, it's because of the science. Um, sure. Still, I watched this movie, it kept my attention the entire time, nice. and, uh, you know, 5% seems a little rough. I'm going to check this out, this sounds awesome. <laughs> it's yeah. on Tubi. You're going to be disappointed in the lack of destruction, but I think you're going to love the Hong Kong family that I'm is gonna, trying desperately to get away, and you I'm keep gonna thinking they're going to make it. <laughs> no, they do not. Roland Emmerich had to have gotten those little like character go. studies somewhere. You, you think know? so? Yeah, I think so too. I'm turning off the buzzer. <laughs> and I am turning it back on for Vanessa. All right. Here you go. So, uh, speaking <laughs> of seventies as fuck, there is definitely a seventies film that was missing from my viewing history <laughs> and that was the 1974 film Zardoz this is the future our future the earth has been divided into two separate worlds the vortex a perfectly structured utopia where man's ultimate technology has conquered death for a chosen few here, man will never die, but go forward to perfection. Surrounding the vortex are the outlands. Passionate, barbaric, dying. Where hordes of exterminators freely slaughter on the command of Zardoz, god of the vortex. The gun is good. The gun is good. Go forth. And kill. 20th Century Fox presents Zardoz. Starring Sean Connery as Zed. The invader from the Outlands, chosen to discover the flaw in paradise. How did you get into the vortex? What is your purpose? I don't remember. Tell me. Show me. You must tell me. No. Kill it, May. No. May has been given seven days to complete her study. Then Zed will be terminated. Zed arouses in the people of the vortex a forgotten sensuality. Life flows out of you, flows into us. You must be destroyed. Why? Can you unknow what you know now about me? Here is a new kind of adventure. No! 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 The future hopes of mankind depend on one man. And this is a race against time. In a timeless world. A startling look into the future. Our future. Zardoz, a film by John Borman. Which I had never seen. So I'm um, pretty <laughs> stoked about this. Uh, Let's see, pregnant, so you couldn't take drugs to watch this. I'm wondering how this <laughs> how this movie works without drugs. Oh, you know, I don't know if you need drugs, really. It is just that fucking weird. Um, <laughs> ooh. So Rotten Tomatoes score of 50% from critics, 53% from audience, budget of 1.57 million, box office of 1.8 US Canadian rentals. Woohoo! <laughs> I don't know how that equates, but that's what I got. Um, this was written, directed, and produced by Sir John Borman. 32 oh. credits to his name, uh, including Hope and Glory, Excalibur, Deliverance, and Exorcist to the Heretic. Uh, starring. Sir Sean Connery, 91 hey. credits to his name. Weird. As uh, he plays Zed, our main person, you would know him from James Bond, The Rock, The Untouchables, The Hunt for Red October, Highlander, sadly ending his career on Sir Billy. 
before he died in 2020. Uh, but he was also in a cool little movie, apparently called Meteor. So <laughs> check that out. Charlotte Rampling is uh, plays Consuela in this. 131 credits to her name. She has beautiful eyes. She was in Farewell, My Lovely, The Damned, The Night Porter, Stardust Memories. Um, and more recently, Reverend Mother in Dune. And she did the uh, some video game voice work for Assassin's Creed. Um, Sarah Kesselman, 63 credits to her name. She plays May. Lots of UK TV and miniseries, um, including In the Flesh, Holby City, Gentleman Jack, Invoice, Star Wars, Knights of the Republic uh, 2, the game. John Alderton plays Friend. He has a really cool face, and I was sure he was in something. Um <laughs> Uh, 62 credits for his name uh, and that something was lots of uh, TV like Please Sir and Fireman Sam and Forever Green the cartoon uh, Little Miss which had the like little circle people and uh, the film Calendar Girls so I have not seen him in anything I, he just looks very familiar and Neil Buggy as the uh, kind of the narrator almost and also the one of the main characters Arthur Frayne 73 credits to his name including Alien 3 Hellraiser as a dinner guest the pope the pope must die it <laughs> <laughs> mama mia and lots of uk tv so there's a lot of uk tv people out here um the story we get a slightly cryptic fun opening uh fun with lot, large quote marks here <laughs> from a magician who admits he is pretending to be god but he's not a god and he wants to tell us a story um, we start by seeing a giant floating stone head roaming over the landscape and a group of men with long braids and red speedos and red holsters for their bullets uh, <laughs> following the head across the landscape. When it lands, the head announces to all that it would like them to continue to murder and hunt, and it barfs out a bunch of guns and ammo. We then see Sean Connery point a handgun at the screen, and we get credits. Zardoz... <laughs> is their god, a floating stone head, head who's enjoying its romp across the sky while Connery is inside and he emerges from a pile of grain. He uh, kind of wanders around and finds a lot of people cellophane wrapped, which I don't understand why, but that's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of that in this film. And a set of stone stairs, which he wanders around, and then he sees a man. That is the narrator we just met. Um, the man implores him uh, not to shoot and offers to show him great things and explain a bunch of stuff. But instead, uh, Connor shoots him and he quote-unquote falls slash floats very slowly out of the ship's mouth um, and to his death. The stone hen then stone head then lands Jesus, safely <laughs> at a fancy manor nearby. The man said, uh, Sean Connery, emerges to discover a paradise of godlike individuals who run this world. Each have a sector they control and are in charge of various functions of the planet. Some have uh, needs, uh, some sectors have needs, others have excesses, so they need to be redistributed, and these guys are kind of in charge of that. They all have telepathic powers. They're able to move things, read thoughts, and often communicate with one another in this way. It's kind of almost like a hippie commune, though, with a lot of rich white people. Um, it has a very Alice in Wonderland feeling to it where things are just very strange. When they discover him, they give him three weeks to be studied and examined by May and Friend, uh, two of the characters, um, after which he will be put to death. As he remains quiet and gets to know about this place, he discovers that the beings are immortal and powerful, but not happy. When they commit a crime, they're given sentences where time is added to their life, as in they're no longer 20 forever, they're now 25 and forever, or 25 and three months and forever, and eventually they have enough charges that they are put into this sort of section for old people, where that is reserved for the worst criminals who are all kind of like running around and being goofy with each other as old people do. Um, it's very zany. Friend is discovered to be really depressed and given a status of unredeemable. He's sent to live with the old folks. Um, there's also another guy on a public trial where he's going to get several years. Everyone's sort of glued to their rings, which are like Google, but with a display. I'm trying my best to tell you guys what this movie is, okay? <laughs> like, it's, it's fucking weird. So, May discovers that Zed is actually hella smart and possibly smarter than and phys more physically fit than anyone else in their god commune. Um, 
which is also very weird and comes out of nowhere. She <laughs> wants to know his true purpose for being there, which remains a mystery. But one thing is for sure, he's destined to change their entire society and free them from their boredom and possibly their lives. Hmm. Um, oh. This film is definitely better than I thought it would be. I didn't think it was going to be anything. And there's definitely a story here. It's fucking weird. I mean, it is insane. Like, there is some LSD just <laughs> in the DNA of this film. I cannot tell you what is happening from one moment to the next, honestly. It is just constantly whiplash of madness. But it's kind of a crazy, interesting ride at the same time. A lot of the characters are extremely irritating, and you do have to watch them prance around. <laughs> it's pretty rough for women in this movie. There's a lot of boob grabbing and sex stuff. However, it's okay. They like it. So <laughs> don't you worry. Um, they're very, I think this is written in a way that's very obsessed with literary references. There's a lot of metaphor moments like Alice in Wonderland. Uh, the Bible, uh, Wizard of Oz, <clears throat> Sardoz. Uh, <laughs> it reminded me a lot in parts of the film Mother, where it's just like there's a lot of allegory going on, and you're not entirely sure from moment to moment what they're referencing, but you know it's something. <laughs> um, Sean Connery is doing his best, but clearly has no fucking clue what film he's in. <laughs> um, and the cinematography, I think, is cool. The landscapes are cool. The dreamy atmosphere is cool. Um, and there's some weird backwards filming moments that work pretty well. So I, I liked this movie. Um, there is a lot of trivia. Uh, Borman was inspired to write Zardoz while prepping to adapt J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings for United Artists. Whoa. But I know when the studio became hesitant about the cost of producing the film version of the books, Borman continued to be interested in the idea of inventing a strange new world. And he wanted to make a film about the problems that are hurtling us at such a rate into the future that our emotions are lagging behind. <laughs> the original draft was set five years in the future and was about a university lecturer who became obsessed with a young girl whose disappearance prompted him into seeking out communes where she had lived. Borman visited many communes for research, but decided to set the story far in the future where society had collapsed. Um, I'm going to skip some of this because there is there's great info here, but I really want to talk about drugs. <laughs> so um, the opening sequence of this was it, it had that weird introduction, which uh, Borman said he was forced to do by 20th century Fox executives to help the audience understand the movie. Um, probably because Borman, uh, hmm. he admitted Drugs, he huh? was, yeah, <laughs> he admitted that he was under a heavy drug influence while writing the film and during production. He also claims that there, he's not even sure what parts of the film are about, mainly due to the haze of drugs that he was in at the time and feels that there were several scenes that are kind of pointless. Um, the atmosphere away from the filming by a nearby town um, was uh, it was fueled by copious narcotics and the town of Gary Kennedy was so hedonistic that um, it was given temporary access to a mobile STI clinic afterwards. Oh my. <laughs> and the census that took place in 1975 revealed that the population of the village grew by 15%. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> you know, I love John Borman, yeah. but I think that this is uh, indicative of all of his films. Like mm. Exorcist 2, You Can't Tell What's Going On. Yeah. Excalibur, I still can't figure out if that's a good movie or not. Yeah. It's gorgeous, but it makes no sense. Um, I think that's just who he is. That's fair. I Well, I guess if Deliverance is your most straightforward movie, right. yeah, then that does say something about you. I mean... It, it's an incredible feat. I mean, it's he went above and beyond in this film, but it, I have no fucking idea why everyone's in like a crystal and they went to space maybe, I guess, at one point, but are they still there and is it real? I'm there's a lot of questions I have. I have never seen this film. Wow. Uh, I think I need to. I don't now. know. You I don't know that uh, that straight is the way to do it, but I happen to know that uh, you're never straight. <laughs> <laughs> Crooked, man, crooked. <laughs> I did see an amazing um, Halloween costume maybe a couple years oh ago. Oh, my God. 
of a, of a man who had dressed up as the giant stone head. Oh my God. And he had his baby in the Zardoz or in the Zed outfit. Yes. And I thought that yeah, was just adorable. That's that is incredible. Amazing. That is such a good costume. I mean, there's a lot of cool things you can do with this. For it's sure. better than the other way around. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> Eric, I don't know that you're going to be able to beat Zardoz. This is a completely different kind of film comparing them. It's sort of an exercise in futility. Ten minutes is on the buzzer for you. I have got, also from 1979, Skate Town, USA. Oh, my. Ooh. Remember when roller skating was a lonely sport? The skaters were discreet. The skates were obsolete. And the background had no beat at all. Well, times sure have changed. Skate Town, USA. Where boy meets girl in a celebration of love on wheels. From coast to coast, rock and roller disco is the most. The most fun, the most excitement, the most beautiful girls, the most outrageous guys. The most daring encounter between two rival champions. And the most fantastic music. All come together in the greatest story ever rolled. stars get down and new faces turn around in Skate Town, USA. The world's biggest, funniest, toughest, loudest rock and roller disco movie ever imagined. Skate Town, USA. It's heaven on wheels and it's heading your way. Seventy-nine. This has no critics' ratings. A thirty-three from audience, which sure. <laughs> <laughs> Directed by William A. Levy, well known for Wham, Bam, Thank You, Spaceman, <laughs> Hellgate, <laughs> The Happy Hooker Goes to Washington, and oh. Blackenstein. Okay. So, written by Nick Castle, who wrote Tag, The Assassination Game, Hook, yeah. Escape from L.A. Yeah. Lockout. William A. Levy, also, you know, sound familiar there, wrote Wham Bam, Thank You, Spaceman, <laughs> Slumber Party 57, and Night Patrol. Oof, do you need to see the first 56 Slumber Parties <laughs> to know what's going on? I don't know. I may have to find that out. Uh, Lauren Dreyfus, who's wrote Fantasy Island 2, two episodes, and Detective School Dropouts. This stars many people. Uh, Greg Bradford, who was in Zapped, Grease, Chips, Let's Do It. Picture a 70s coiffed blonde man. This is him. Uh, Judy Landers, who's in Armed and Dangerous, Dr. Alien, 15 episodes of BJ and the Bear, 14 episodes of Vegas with a dollar sign, and eight episodes of The Love Boat. Very recognizable 70s personality. Maureen McCormick, who most of you will know as Marsha, from the Brady Bunch, oh. 132 credits overall. This was her first film. Oh, 
At least that's what somebody said. Catherine Kelly Long, uh, Garlic and Gunpowder, Evil Speak. Check this out. <laughs> the Bold and the Beautiful, 6,272 episodes. No. Wow. Woof. And the movie debut of Patrick Swayze. Wow. Yes. This also has Scott Bayo as as the sort of like an agent, I guess, for the blonde guy as oh. for the skater thing. He really doesn't do much but bitch and whine. Hmm. Flip hmm. Wilson. Nice. Ruth Buzzy. <laughs> Bill Barty. <laughs> Ron Palelo, better known as Horshack. Okay. And uh, Dorothy Stratton. Wow. Which I'll get back to later on that one. But no Sean Connery, huh? No, no Sean Connery. He was busy on Meteor. <laughs> uh, opens up with a great skate town song with people skating around LA beaches with you know, those little sail things that people used to use to skate with and a giant conga line <laughs> forms of skaters. So you go, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And in the credits, it says Ruth Buzzy as Elvira. Just the name. Okay. She definitely is not dressed up as Elvira. Thank probably. God. That's right. <laughs> uh, so the first guy to speak in the film. It's like he's the DJ, but he floats down from someplace and you can see through him. So I'm like, is this a spirit or a ghost? I don't know. It's never addressed in the film. He just does his thing. Hmm. He snaps his fingers and suddenly the skate town is filled with skaters. Nice. Whoa. Um, they do a little bit of ska skating around, some fancy skateboarding, and we meet the cast and then... Patrick shows up leading his gang that, man, they could have been right out of the Warriors <laughs> with their West Wheelers leather jackets and they're all skating. They were much better dressed than the skaters that are in the Warriors. Um, come in, disrupt everyone, skate around and dance. Swayze's got what might be the best 70s hair ever. And uh, <laughs> little strange things all through the movie, like the bathrooms are labeled curves and muscles. Oh, geez. <laughs> uh, part of what keeps this movie going is the sheer volume of music that is played. There is almost constant music, and that helps this movie a lot. Is it recognizable music? or is oh, it just... Some of it is. Oh, yeah, a okay. lot of it is. Um, so you've got <laughs> this one scene where they, they're confronting the two guys, you know, Patrick Swayze and the blonde guys that can go to get each other. And his, I think uh, Marsha is his sister because sitting there you've got Horshack and Patrick Swayze and she hits on Horshack. Oh my god. I'm like, no, that's not how it should work. <laughs> then of course some Puritan types, which is where Ruth Buzzy comes in, show up trying to make sure this is a clean establishment with no drugs and sex. And it seems to imply that he the owner gives them free pizza, which kind of implies that the pizza's laced with something because they then begin to have a great time. And they, they make an announcement over the thing. I'm sorry, lines for pizza can be no longer than 462 people. Like <laughs> <laughs> random. Uh, Flip comes in in his classic Flip is a woman uh, bit where oh. he's married to the owner. And he's there to say, make sure the owner's being good. Um, unknown comic makes an appearance. This is fuck. 70s as fuck. <laughs> uh, and then the dance card contest begins. We get a, a village people song, Macho Man, or mm -hmm. one of the dances. Um, there's no reason in trying to describe the film. Just crazy shit's going on. So I'll just continue on with the weird shit I learned about it. The rock and roller disco movie of the year is the tagline. Oh, sure. And recent, you probably have never heard of this film. And no idea it existed was because when Patrick Swayze got rich enough, he bought the rights and banned oh. it from being released at all. Oh, my God. Uh, his autobiography stated he was embarrassed for the film, so he bought the rights and buried it. Wow. <laughs> and this is one of those. I actually rented this from Scarecrow because I could not find it anywhere. Okay. Oh, my God. And it's one of those bare bones. You put it in the display or it starts playing. There's no extras. So it's like Sony released it, or I think, just as, well, here, we have this. Right. Um, Maureen McCormick in her book, Here's the Story, Surviving Marsha Brady and Finding My True Voice. She writes, like a disco at the time, there's a lot of cocaine being done on the set. Many people were very open about using it. 
Uh, the film is dubbed the first roller disco movie, released a few months before Roller Boogie oh. that same year. Uh, filming was done largely at the Palladium, uh, built in 1940s with sprawling hardwood dance floor chandeliers and soap bubbles used for the Lawrence Welk show. Nice. Which they used, I believe. But uh, in Star 80, which I believe you talked about recently. Yes. Dorothy Stratton, the movie was renamed to Ball Bearings because this was her first movie and it really wasn't much of a part. Right. <laughs> she just kind of stands there ordering pizza. Can I get a pizza? And looking hot. I want another pizza and then some weird... I know he's somebody famous, but I couldn't remember who he was, but this weird old comedian guy starts telling jokes. I mean, like vaudeville bad kind of jokes. <laughs> Disco tinge themed on Skate Town was written by Mason and Brenda Cooper. Uh, let's see. Fell in love with a cover of his own 1968, Feeling All Right. Huh? Among other songs on the soundtrack are Patrick Hernanzi's Born to be Alive. One you probably recognize if you heard, if you don't. Okay. Said, Boogie Wonderland by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Shake Your Body by the Jackson, Jacksons. Boogie Nights by the Heat Wave. Baby Hold On by Eddie Wait. Money. Oh. <laughs> Baby Hold On. Okay. Ain't No Stomping Us Now by McFadden and Whitehead. I mean, I Want You to Want Me by Cheap Trick. I mean, this mm -hmm. is full of music. Roller Girl. Perfect Dance by Marlon McCoo and Billy Davis Jr. Mm. Disco Nights, Rock Freak. A cover of Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Under My Thumb, and of course, Skate Town USA. And I think Vanessa might have seen this movie and written this review. Uh-oh. <laughs> Did I? Better Off Forgotten. Oh, no. <laughs> this movie falls in with all of the disco movies. It's better off mothballed and forgotten. As much of the disco area's movies go, they reflect a time that is ridiculed for the idiocy that goes behind or goes hand in hand with disco music. Oh, this is a terrible movie that I thoroughly enjoyed. <laughs> I am going to look for some illegal means to to own this. This sounds amazing. I mean, I, 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 I've got to find a, there's got to be a vinyl well, soundtrack. Album. I would hope so. Yeah. Or, but part of the way through, I figured I'm going to see if this is Blu-ray somewhere. And I did find Diabolique DVD had one left. Uh, fuck it, I'm ordering it. So uh, I can loan it to you when it shows up. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, that but, is That sounds amazing. That yeah. sounds 70s as fuck. Oh, it is. Wow. <laughs> Painfully so. I mean, you know, when you get to these things, the you think it's 60s, 70s, the 80s, it's always like the last two or three years. Mm -hmm. So this 79 is, is 80s, man. I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> but fun to check out, especially if you love disco and you want to see Patrick Swayze. Chewing scenery. He is so serious in this. <laughs> and his skate dance, which is moderate, let's just say. The, the competitive <laughs> skating at the end is like, wow, really? He uses his belt as like a whip. He takes his belt off when he first starts dancing. He's dancing around with his belt as a whip. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck is this? Worth checking out. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, when you first said skate town usa for some reason i thought this was going to be a skateboarding movie yeah. and not a yeah. roller skating movie yeah. and roller skating although there is some skateboarding okay but it's basically it's definitely all roller skating i uh went on a kick uh a couple years ago when i was sick and stuck at home and uh i was remembering that awesome podcast that never got finished uh 80s all over oh yeah and they would just list movies, and I'd just write down the movies and find yeah. those movies. And uh, there were a lot of skate movies in the early 80s. Like Linda Blair, one of her first adult roles was in a skate movie that is just awful and awesome. Oh, sure. <laughs> so uh, this sounds like something I would absolutely love. Uh, thanks, Jamie, for the uh, mm -hmm. suggestion that we do a 70s as fuck yeah, episode. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely worked. But that means, Eric, that you have to come up That's with the right. next topic. Dun, dun, dun. I've got one. This is another suggestion. I noticed in my notes, so I don't know when he made this request, but Will Lau out there gave us an idea that I'm like, oh, well, this sounds fun. Uh, movies that have a large basis, an underground or tunnels in some way. Ooh. So oh. it could be something you know, like Journey to the Center of the Earth or something, I don't know, like Speed that has scenes in a subway. I don't think it needs to necessarily be oh, okay. 100% underground because it limits a lot. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. The descent. 
<laughs> yeah, they're just saying, there you go. <laughs> Kong versus Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> that's right. That is true. Uh, okay, that sounds cool to me. Thanks, Will, for that suggestion. And thanks to everyone who's uh, liking and sharing posts, who's joined the discussion on the Strange Yans Radio Talk yes. page, which is uh, about the only place I like hanging out on Facebook anymore. Same. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Very true. <laughs> Just a bunch of nice people arguing about films in yeah. a very uh, nice way. In a, a fun way. way. Usually the, uh, the any negative comment is tinged with some wonderful humor. Yes. <laughs> so keep it up. Keep coming back. And if you haven't posted or said anything yet, feel free. Join in talk a little bit we're all decent folk most yeah of the time. absolutely also thanks for the people who are donating money through the bias pizza page yeah. or just sending random amounts of cash that is really nice that's what <laughs> that's how the uh, value for value system works is mm-hmm. you've decided that uh, we've given you some kind of value and you give us value back that's right generally when the people do that they come back with a suggestion of something and so the value gets just turned around and around uh, okay, you can also call us on the Strange Yans Radio Hotline, which is 253-237-4266. Call us, uh, congratulate Vanessa and uh, all of us on this new edition. Apparently, we've had four podcasters talking for the last couple of weeks. Oh, yeah. She's been contributing. Little... Okay, okay, I'll say something else. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know. Okay. Not a fan. <laughs> and that means that uh, pretty quick, we're probably going to be getting into the uh, the Zoom episodes. Yeah. But that also means that there's going to be video of us on YouTube. You're welcome, so, Mom. <laughs> I know that there are people who like that. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, that's it for the show. We're going to be back in seven short days. We are talking underground or tunnel movies. Yeah. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next Thursday. See ya. Transportation and other considerations for Strange Eons Radio, produced by Pan Am Airlines. When you think of traveling, think of Pan Am. You can't beat the experience. Guests of Strange Eons Radio stay at Econo Lodge Everett. It's an easy stop on the road, if you know what we mean. Strange Eons Radio is recorded live in front of a studio audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a positive review on your favorite podcast app. Sit, Ubu, sit. We've had someone else here all along.